Welcome to Word Today. I am your host, Levi Johnny Griffin. And if you are new here, I want you to know that everyone has a bias. Absolutely everyone, me included, we all have a bias. Uh, the thing is, we need to check them at the door, uh, identify them, check them at the door, and then realize that the only opinion that really matters is God. So we need to see our bias, look at it through the lens of our bias, then discard our bias. We can't discard the bias without first knowing that we have it. So identify your bias and discard it and let God do what God does. Listen, uh, believe, invest, love, obey, which was the last podcast. Everyone got into it and they were saying, hey, there were some things that I really didn't understand. And I totally get it because I tried to cram two podcasts into one podcast uh, for the sake of time. And not really for the sake of time. I just got excited and kept writing and kept writing. And um, I realized like it really should have been two separate podcasts. It should not have been one podcast. I'll leave the old one up for people that just want to hear the original, but uh, I'm breaking it up into the first podcast, which is this one, the law, then the next podcast, which is the faith. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Let's go. All right. So we're going to be talking about the law and we say the law, we mean the law of Moses, those 10 commandments. We often in church talk about the law. You know, the law is this, the law is dead. The law is alive. We need to obey the law. No, we do. We need to discard the law because we're under the dispensation of grace. We mean under the covering and under the era of grace. Uh, and there's this kind of back and forth of, should we obey the law, follow the law? Should we disobey the law, not follow the law? Uh, and really the short answer is both. You're both right. We need to honor the Ten Commandments. We shouldn't be out there killing people, sleeping with someone else's wife, um, you know, worshiping idols. But does following the law in the Levitical laws, all of those sacrificial laws save us? Because the law became the encompass, not just the Mosaic law, but the uh, Levitical law, which is the law of sacrifices, you know, sacrificing the, the goats, the uh, doves and all the sacrificial ceremonial laws. And then it became to include all of the ritual clean, uh, cleansing. If a woman was on her period, she had to uh, not come in contact uh, with things that are holy for so long. And people couldn't come in contact with her for so long after she had uh, been, you know, gotten off her period and been clean. And I know that's kind of disgusting, but this was all part of the, the, uh, the law, the Levitical law, the ceremonial law. Uh, and of course, um, if you sin, you had the sacrificial law. So all of this became wrapped up in the law. So initially it was the Ten Commandments given in Exodus 20. And then it became all of this. I won't say convoluted, but it became all of this extra stuff. So when we talk about the law, we're going to talk about um, all of that extra stuff. Um, and, of course, focus on uh, the law of Moses. So five things we're going to cover is when the law was given, when it was given, where it was given why it was given, when did it end, and what replaced it. So when it was given, where it was given, why it was given, when did it end, and what replaced it. So let's jump right in. We're going to start in, start with when it was given. Now, it was given, really, it was given in an era of super-duper amazing, amazing grace. God meets the Israelites where they were, where they were at at the time, um, they smelt like Egypt because remember, they're just coming out. It's, it's the book of Exodus, right? They're exiting uh, from the Pharaoh after being there for like over 400 years in slavery. Uh, and God meets them in a super place of grace um, as they exit, as he freed them and they exit 
the Egyptian life, the Egyptian uh, style of worshiping, uh, the Egyptian mindset. They're, they, they're, they smell like Egypt. Even though they're exiting out of Egypt, they still smell uh, and think uh, and look to a certain extent like Egypt. Because remember, they carried off the gold. So they would look, uh, smell, think just like Egypt because they were there for 400 generations. So uh, 400 years. I mean, how many generations is that? You know, that's what, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18. Well, actually more because the lifespan back then would have been what, maybe 30 years. So you get three, maybe three and a half generations per hundred years. Um, so yeah, you, you're looking at a lot of generations. Um, so the, you know, people would have lived and died and all they would have known is the Egypt system. So you have to really understand that and keep that in mind to understand the purpose of the law. If you don't understand Egypt, you're not going to really get the purpose of the law. And you're not going to truly understand the Ten Commandments. Once we go through this, the Ten Commandments are going to make so much more sense to you. All right, let's get started. So let's. All right. So before we go into Exodus and the, the, the Ten Commandments, let's first talk about Egypt. So in Egypt, we're going to call this part the days of Egypt. So in Egypt, there's four main religions, right? Heliopolis theology, uh, theology, Memphis theology, Hermopolis theology, and Theban theology. Now think, you know, this, this sounds foreign, but it's really not so foreign. You may recognize these names. Horus, right? Horus was the god of the sky, the god of war. Osiris, right? Uh, Egyptian god identified with the afterlife. What about Isis? Everybody talks about, and I'm not talking about the terrorists, but Isis, the mother, uh, the mother god, she married her brother Osiris and she conceived her son Horus. What about Ra, the sun god? So we I'm sure one or two of those names you may have went, ah, oh, Roth. I think I remember hearing about that in history class or something around ISIS. So these guys had a few things that were demanded of them by gods that the Israelites would have been um, surrounded by, possibly even heavily partaken in. One is that the gods demanded sacrifices. So if you wanted a good crop, you sacrificed. You wanted rain, you sacrificed. You wanted victory in war, you sacrificed. And the the more costly your sacrifice, the happier the gods were. That's why you needed your best ram, your best goat, your best uh you know flock, or what's what's more costly than your own children? Your firstborn child, your best son, right? Because your sons were your life, you know, there weren't a whole lot of stock necessarily in, in women, but women could have been sacrifices too. Why? Because that's what's more costly than your own child. What's more costly than your own child? And we don't cover it in this podcast, but God condemns uh, throughout the book, human sacrifice throughout the Bible. And you were like, man, why do you have to tell people not to kill their own people or their own uh, family members? But is, you have to understand it's because they came out of Egypt. Where if you really want it rain and it's been in a drought and you've sacrificed, you know, the best crop you had, the best flock you had, the best. Then you think, man, maybe the gods aren't happy. Maybe I need a bigger, better, more costly sacrifice. And then you sacrifice your son or your daughter. All right. And so so that's where that sacrificial mindset that would have been burned into their minds. Number two, God's could care less about your personal behavior as long as you please them. So making sure you, you didn't cheat on your wife, uh, they may care. Uh, making sure you didn't lie on someone, uh, they may care. But you better have pleased them. You better offer them sacrifices. You better have worshipped in their temples. You better have built them the biggest monument 
uh, bigger than any other gods or at least equal to any other gods. So your personal character, uh, second, third, fourth, afterthought, don't really care. But make sure that uh, I get my monuments, my sacrifices. And if you come to my temple for an hour every day in worship or you face the east and worship for however long, you need to honor me as your God. Next thing is um, they didn't care if you worshiped other gods as long as you kept them happy. Horus didn't care if you worshiped Osiris as long as Horus had his temple and Horus had all of the things that was deserving to him. So he didn't care if you worship 50 other gods. Just make sure he is taken care of. Another thing is lying on someone, cheating on someone for your own self gain. In Egyptian culture, that could have been considered or was considered intelligent and strategic. If you maneuvered someone, you know, it was it was politics. You know, if you lied on someone and, and unfortunately we kind of see that in modern day politics, right? If you lied on someone or you, you do, you know, lied on someone or you, you tricked someone or you, you know, bad mouth someone and it pushed you further in the polls, right? That smear campaign, you know, they'll, it'll come on TV. Did you know 54 years ago, uh, Senator such and such stole a banana from a fruit stand? You go, <gasps> you know, like it's, it's, what does that have to do with the man's character today and him trying to uh, make sure that poverty is ended? He was four years old and accidentally walked out with a banana and they bring that up and it's trying, <gasps> you know, they, people didn't care about slander. And if it wasn't true and they lied, it wasn't even him stealing the banana. The gods were, may have been impressed by, if it worked, they may have been impressed by how cunning you were. So, so the God's mindset was dramatically different. They demanded the best sacrifice, even if there was your kid. They didn't care about necessarily your personal character as long as they had their monuments and you came to their temples and worshiped them. They didn't care if you worshiped other gods as long as they were, you kept them happy, as long as they had a nice temple. Um, they didn't mind if you were a little, you know, lying and cunning, uh, and, and putting other people down to, to get yourself ahead if it worked. They might consider it clever, right? So so now through this lens, 430 years, uh, the the Israelites being a slave to the Egyptians. So when you're a slave, you're going to look up to the master. You're going to want to be more like the master. You, you're going to want to think more like the master. And when you, you know, maybe the first generation of Israelites uh, would have resisted this. But, you know, 20, 30, 40 generations uh, later, um, their children have grown up. Only knowing Egypt, that's it there. They would have grown, grown up respecting Egypt, maybe even idolizing Egypt. So this is the mindset they were in. So now look at Exodus 20, um, you know, starting at verse one and and maybe the Ten Commandments now make a little bit more sense. And you have to remember. Um, the Ten Commandments. All right. So when you look at it like this, you have to understand that the Ten Commandments were grace. It was grace. God gave them this out of love because you don't send people out into because he's freed them. You don't send them out in the desert without some instruction. If God would have just said, just love me, all you have to do while you're out in the desert is love me. Then they would have loved him the way the Egyptians loved their gods and they would have loved him right into hell. They would have went straight to hell for loving him, you know, by killing their own kids. Right. So so this is the mindset they have. So God has to give them God meets them where they are, what they're used to and loves them into a right place with him. All right. Ten commandments without further ado. Then God gave the people all of these instructions. I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other gods but me. You must not make 
for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generation on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord, your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord, your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. That includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy, anointed it as holy. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother. Then you will live a long, full, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's wife. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servants or donkey ox or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak to us directly or we will die. Don't be afraid. Moses answered them for God has come in this way to test you. And so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. As the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. And the Lord said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. You saw for yourselves that I spoke to you from heaven. Remember, you must not make any idols of silver or gold to rival me. Build for me an altar made of earth and offer your sacrifices to me, your burnt offerings and peace offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Notice he left out people. Build my altar wherever I cause my name to be remembered and I will come to you and bless you. If you use stones to build my altar, use only natural uncut stones. Do not shape the stones with the tool for that would make the altar unfit for holy use. And do not approach my altar by going up steps. Remember the temple, right? Remember the pyramids? Do not approach my altar by going up steps. God is breaking their their traditional way of thinking from the Egyptians. Uh, If you do, someone might look up under your clothing and see your nakedness. God is using everything that they would have been accustomed to to break. And also they would climb the top of these steps in these temples and they would sacrifice children. Listen, he's saying, don't don't climb steps. Someone may see you naked. Don't worry about that. Just build an altar on the ground and sacrifice some goats, some lambs. That's what you're used to. That's what you want to do. That's what you've been programmed. This was good to me. Um, If God would have just come out to him and said, hey, just love me. Just, you know, you're covered under grace. Just love me. They would have loved them the same way. The Egyptians love their gods. And he's saying, listen, don't make idols. He says that repeatedly. I'm your only God. Don't lie on people. Don't sleep with other people's wife. That stuff isn't cool. I'm not one of those gods that think that's cool. Right. Don't work your slaves seven days a week or your servants and, and your animals. Don't be aggressive and abusive. Take a day off yourself. Let everyone take a day off. And don't walk up steps to go sacrificing people or anything. Just just do it on the ground. 
Right. So God, knowing who they are, God gives a law and these instructions out of grace. The law wasn't given to punish them. The law was given to them for grace. Listen, I love you. So I'm going to give you some instructions on what to do so you don't go to hell doing what you've been doing. So that's that's when it was given. Where it was given. It was given during a time of wandering. Given during a time of wandering, given during a time uh, where they were in the desert wandering around. And there's a reason for this. Um, it's hard to hard for, to tell people who are prosperous and thriving that they are doing everything wrong, that everything that you've learned is wrong. So, yes, they've carried away the gold of the Egyptians. But if God would have just brought them right into the promise, they'd have walked out day one um, and then walked right right in day two into the promised land. They would have just did what they, what they wanted to do. They'd be like, we're here now. We're here now. Remember how rebellious they were when they were in the desert. Not wanting to do what they wanted to do. Still building false idols. So it was hard controlling them in a desert, dry place where they were wandering around. So if God would have brought them into a prosperous place and they would just become extremely prosperous right off the gate, it would have, they would have been uncontrollable. Remember what, what Jesus says in Matthew 19, 24? I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of an uh, eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. We see this with the rich young ruler. God says, hey, um, you know, what have you done? He's like, I've done every every command. I followed every commandment. I've done everything God has asked me to do. He says, OK, well, give up your money and, and follow me. And he goes, what? what? And he doesn't do it. He walks off sad. Why? Because people who have money, who are prosperous, who think they got it all together. How are you going to correct them? Hey, man, your whole life jacked up. Life jacked up. I'm richer than you. I'm balling because their significance is not in Jesus. Their significance is not in the Lord or God. Their significance is in their wealth. So how do you tell someone who thinks they've accomplished the highest level of life that life is wrong? So God lets them wander around in the desert. And while they're in a desert, in a dry place, wandering around, lost, rethinking everything that they know, God can deal with their hearts because they're unsure. And God loves a broken, unsure heart. And he, he lets them rebel and he loves them. He lets them get angry and he loves them. And he lets them wander around. Uh, a 40 day trip take 40 years, right? Why? Because it took 40 years for their hearts to get right. Three, why was the law given? Now, remember, the law was not, you know, I call it the second law. Um, the original law, if, if you remember, was just I say law, but the original way we were saved was through our faith. Right. We were saved through our faith in Genesis 15, 6. We learn how we're saved through our faith. So why was it given? Not because of a lack of, well, I guess it was a lack of faith, but it was a lack of focused obedience. Let's, let's go to Galatians 3, verse 19. Why then was it the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. So the law, the original law, Genesis 15, 6, and I call it the law. It was really just God's grace was love and faith. That's how Abraham was was saved, right? Love and faith, Genesis 15, 6. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteousness, counted him as righteous because of his faith. So the original way to please God, and this is Genesis. Genesis is before Exodus, right? In, in Genesis, Abraham is saved and in good standing with God because he has faith, because he believes him, because he, he loves him, because he follows him. He has a heart. He's in love with God. And so when God speaks, he loves him, he follows him, he, he's obedient because he's in love with God. The Israelites, after being in bondage, they've lost that love. 
They've lost their way. They've lost their direction. They don't even think they're sinning, right? Because the Egyptian gods, as long as you, you did your sacrifices and built them temples, they were pretty much happy. You living personally, that whole personal sin, I need to love people, I can't do my brother wrong, that concept really didn't ring in their minds. So he had to give them the law to show the people that they are sinners. No, man, you're wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're living life wrong. You're not making me happy. You're not. You're not making me happy. So he gave the law to show them like, hey, you're sinners. Forget Egyptian just pleasing me, building me temples, you know, building these high temples and monuments. I don't even want you building these temples and monuments. Just just sacrifice on the ground. Be, you know, kind, honor your parents, honor each other. God just totally changes everything. The paradigm of everything they would have known is good. So the law was given, like Galatians 3 says, so that they know that they were sinners. And in the process of knowing that they were sinners, they would have known that, hey, I need a savior. I need I need something bigger. And Galatians 3 also says that that the law, uh, but the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised only till Jesus came. Which which kind of walks us into point four. Uh, but last point here, law given not as a way to get God's heart, but as a way to display the need for a savior. If you don't think you're a sinner, then why do you need saving? They no longer love God like Abraham. So love wouldn't bring them to God in worship and repentance. So God showed them how depraved they were as a way of saying, hey, you're not as spotless as you think you are. All right. Four. When did it end? So when did. That dispensation in Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were sinners. So you have Abraham thousands and thousands of years later. You have uh, Moses freeing the Israelites. And, and from that point, thousands of years later, you get Jesus. Right. You get Jesus. Matthew 5 says this. Verse 17. Don't misunderstand why I have come. Jesus speaking. Red letter. I do not come to abolish the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments and the writing of the prophets. Right. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So it can't get it's God doesn't just open a book and not close it. So he's not. I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill the book. I came to show you the end of the book. I came to fulfill it. So if you ignore 19. So if you ignore the least commandment, you start lying, you start building idols, idols again. You start, you know, making these big temples again. You start not honoring your parents. If You start doing this. It says and teach others to do the same. You will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. So you believe saying you believe in me. You love me, but you're not following the law. You'll be the least. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So when did it end? It ended when Jesus came back. Now, when I say ended, Jesus is clearly saying, listen, I'm not saying that you no longer have to honor your parents. You no longer have to that you can go back to worshiping idols and sacrificing people. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I have fulfilled the law. Your salvation is complete in me. So for the Levitical law, all the sacrificial law, that's done. I am the perfect lamb who has been sacrificed for all of that uh, ceremonial and traditional law, washing your hands so many times and all that. Hey, I've completed that. That's the end of it. But for the the Ten Commandments, honoring your parents, you know, uh, or excuse me, loving. Let's go back to the Ten Commandments. I'm kind of messing these up here. Um, 
So for not murdering, not committing adultery, not stealing, not bearing uh, false witness, you know, for that stuff, you st- it, it's still a play. Having gods before me, not having gods before me, that stuff, not making idols, that stuff, still relevant. You know, not coveting your neighbor's wife, that stuff is still relevant. Right. That stuff is still relevant. Sacrificial law, that Levitical law is gone. All the ceremonial law, that's gone. But the Ten Commandments, that original law I gave you, that's more prevalent than ever. Than ever. And Jesus says it, and I don't have it here in the notes for those that read the notes. And Jesus said it even more so like this. He says, listen, the great to ask him, all right, out of every commandment, what is the greatest? Love God with everything. Love your brother as yourself. Drop the mic, walk away. He says everything else comes out of this. If you love God with all your heart, you'll obey him. You'll you'll do everything you that he wants you to do because you love him, not because you fear him, but because you love him. If you, um, you know, love your brother as yourself, then you're going to do everything that God wants you to do because you love your brother. You're not going to cheat on him, lie on him, you know, covet his wife, covet his belongings, steal his stuff. Because if you love him as much as you love yourself, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't want someone doing that to you. All right. Five. What replaced the law? What replaced it? The law wasn't replaced. It was fulfilled, leaving only the original law of Abraham. So the original way to be saved, remember Genesis, the original way to be saved was by your faith. Remember Abraham, the father of the faithful, right? The original Christian, if you will. Abraham was considered righteous because he had faith. It wasn't until thousands of years later that people were you know, made right with God by the law. But once Jesus came, he says, man, I'm fulfilling this, leaving only the faith. So you'll still do all of this stuff because you love God. But the fulfillment will be in your faith. Going back to Galatians three, verse 10. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law for the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So it started with faith. We had the law, which was just to show us that we were sinful, all for the purpose of Jesus coming and bringing us right back to faith. All right. Sorry for that being a little jumpy. Uh, I had so many notes uh, everywhere, but I didn't want to drag this on. Uh, but hopefully it blessed you. Hopefully you got a lot out of it hopefully you understood uh, everything through my jumbles um, and everything hopefully at the end came together for you listen i really appreciate you checking out today's podcast make sure to find me on facebook facebook.com forward slash levi johnny griffin hit me up on twitter at levi underscore griffin subscribe to the podcast on itunes apple podcast platforms google podcast platforms and Stitcher. Also, place a link to this podcast in your social media feed and tag me in it, Levi Johnny Griffin, for a chance to co-host a show with me. Hey, I want to leave you with this. Four evidences of Christian faith. One is belief. We believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's what covers us and gives us access to the glory of God. B, lifestyle. It just means we live like we believe it. Jesus tells us to live right, we live right. C, We evangelize. What does that mean? We teach other people about Jesus so they can have faith. Indeed, we spread the lifestyle. We teach them how to live like they have faith. How do we do that? We connect them to a church and we connect them to plenty of Christian material. Bibles, Christian books, Christian movies like The Passion 
and even Christian podcasts like Word Today. Share it with your friends. If it's blessing you and you're eating and growing from it, let someone else eat and grow from it as well. I love each and every one of you. Let's keep praying and keep pushing in the faith together.